today on this next amazing episode of We Married Rich, I have a special guest and she was a little reluctant, but I'm super excited that she's here to talk to me today. It is my 22-year-old beautiful daughter, Skylar. And so you're going to hear all about her, you know, some experiences of what it was like growing up in a household in New Jersey and Ohio and blended family, et cetera. So stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. So thank you, Skylar, for agreeing to be on the episode on Meredith with a Y today. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate you having the courage to come forward because this isn't easy. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, mother. Kind of weird being interviewed by my own madre, but you know, getting through it. (laughs) Well, I do appreciate it because I know these are difficult subjects and I I understand that, you know, you want to make sure and do right by everybody. And that was my goal when even tackling this entire subject. But you have a really cool perspective because not only are you a child of a divorced family and a blended family, but you've also babysat children and they were in blended families or single parents or whatnot. So you kind of have been able to see a little bit of both sides of that experience. So if you don't mind, I know you don't remember a lot because when Jim and I got married, you were seven. I think when your dad and Allison got married, you were how old? Nine, because it would have been two years later. Yeah. So you were nine. So like, what do you remember being good or bad or exciting? Cause I remember, you know, I remember you shopping for wedding dresses for Allison's wedding and clearly for mine as well. But like, do you have any memories of back then good, bad or ugly that stick out for you? Like back when you guys first started, like when we first moved to Jersey and did the whole back and forth. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, cause you had to fly. So you were an unaccompanied minor and you would fly for all your visitations with your dad back into Ohio, which is fortunately only an hour flight. But still, I mean, it's still different. Yeah, no, for sure. I just always remember those flights being super hot, hard. Either Cody and I were super supportive of each other or we fought like cats and dogs and probably the flight attendants wanted to murder us. It was either the excitement of us, you know, getting to be together, getting to see our family again, either which way or us just being super anxious about it and taking it out on each other, to be honest with you. So those flights were always super difficult, but at the same time, they were short, quick, easy, got to see everyone at the end of it. Yeah, but definitely huge transitions. When you look back at it, and you can just speak about me if you want, I know your dad and Allison know that you're doing this interview and they were really supportive of it, just so you know, because I did reach out to them and talk to them, make sure everyone knew what was happening. But when you look back at that outside of maybe your dad and I living like next door to each other, were there any things that you would have done differently before or after the visitations or anything just with regard to visitation, anything that would have made your life easier, anything I could have said or done or your dad could have said or done that would have made that transition simpler? I don't think it was anything that you guys could have done, but 
as a kid growing up, I would go to my dad's house over the summer for six to eight weeks. Moving out of state in second grade, you know, you, you don't really leave with many friends. So leaving for the summers for that chunk of time and missing out on friendships or friends for that eight weeks, you know, and as a second grader, third grader, whatever, eight weeks is a very long time. Um, so it always it would always be difficult either going to my dad's house and not really having connections or having friendships with people there to be able to connect to, or I, you know, vice versa coming home and my friends kind of feeling the, Oh, they forgot about me. Mm. Oh, they, they are not no longer there for me type moment. So I don't even know what I would have done to fix that because I loved going to my dad's house for that period of time. I loved being with him, but it was just kind of the tear between feeling left out of my friends and also the tear of wanting to be with my dad. So that was definitely an struggle. So I remember, I actually remember way when, cause we, I remember having these kind of conversations because your friends would go on and go to the pool and have sleepovers all summer. And, you know, as a parent, you want your child to bond with their dad. You want your, your child to bond with their stepmom and the new kids that are being born into that family. You want that bond, but at the same time, it is a very huge thing to have or to not have those friendships, to not have those bonds. And I remember if, and I could be wrong. I remember we did try to split it up so that you'd go for two weeks, come back for two weeks and go for two weeks. I mean, granted, it was a lot of airfare and, you know, flying back and forth. I wonder if it would have been one week on one week off one week on, or like try to break it up a little bit more if that would have been helpful. What do you think on that? Hmm, that's kind of difficult because I hated the act of packing my things, getting it all, putting it together, being disheveled, uh, for lack of a better term. So Living I, out of I a suitcase, always, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I don't necessarily remember when we tried breaking it up. If I'm going to be honest with you, I might have been too young for that. But looking back as, you know, 22-year-old looking back on that, I think... It could have helped if it was like three weeks on, two weeks off, three weeks on, just to give the break of, oh, hey, friends, I'm I'm still alive. I'm still here. Recoup with the friends, not be bored. Not that I was bored at my father's house, but not be like to be able to go back to children connection. Yeah. Being able to hang out with friends again, rather than just parents and the younger siblings. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many different ways to look at it. You know, like as you're speaking, I'm thinking about in that six weeks, you really become a part of your dad's household, the day in and the day out of his family and waking up and eating dinner and lunch, you become a part of the process. So you are very much at home in that extended stay. But at the same time, your dad's not going to take off work because he knows you're going to be there for the next five weeks. So it's not seeing people as much because they're not like, okay, Skylar's coming in for the weekend. Let's take the weekend off. For sure. And so it's, it's more of quantity versus quality. So maybe instead of doing six weeks, you know, it, it's just every family's different. But to be honest with you, as a parent, you forget that you're losing out on those friendships because of our living situation, because of the decision that we have made for better or for worse. And I say for better for us, big picture, you're not living in a house, in a hold that is two parents that want to get a divorce and aren't. I think that would be worse personally. 
but at the same time, you're missing out on things. And, you know, if, granted, if if we could have the best of both worlds, you know, like Emerson had a friend over today and her mom picked her up in the morning and in the afternoon they were at Starbucks and the dad picked her up and, you know, the parents are divorced, but they live in the same same two mile radius of each other, kind of like when your dad and I originally got divorced before I got remarried. So yes, would that be the best of both worlds is living right next to each other? Clearly, but we didn't. And there were benefits from that. And there were negatives because you weren't back and forth, back and forth. Like you're saying, living out of a suitcase every Wednesday, every Friday, every Wednesday, every other week, every other weekend, like where you're constantly back and forth, you really had a home base. So that is definitely one conversation that we have had is the difference between having a home base. And this is this is a huge topic of conversation because when when we did live down the street from each other, your dad and I, you would go Wednesday night and then Saturday night to Monday morning. But if I can interrupt, those were not hard dates. If I wanted to go see my dad on a Tuesday, I would mm-hmm. ride my little bike over. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to spend the night at my mom's house because so-and-so was going on, it was okay. It was yeah. never, oh, this is my weekend. No. This is my day. And I think for me that that was huge because I never felt guilted. I never felt upset. I never felt sad that I wasn't a part of these moments or missing out because, oh, we're having family dinner and I can't be there because it's my dad's weekend. And I think this became super apparent to me. And you did use the term babysitting, but I'd like to correct that and use the term nannying because I feel that nannying is so much more you're a part of the family, you're in the experience, and you're there almost every day. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Like the kids that you watch, you're you're referencing. Yes, I'm referencing. Sorry. Thank you for that. I'm referencing the kids that I babysat of where and seeing the hard deadline, the hard day. Okay. And seeing how that affects the kids of, okay, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to get on bus 31 and Thursday, Friday, Saturday of every other week, we're going to get on this bus. And we have to remember not to get on the wrong bus because mom and dad will kill me that they have to see each other. Mm. So for me seeing that, and I didn't realize how truly blessed I was as a child, because for me, it was normal. But then as an outsider, seeing this other perspective and helping these kids through that, it really brought into perspective how important it is to not set heart dates. Yeah. I mean, as a family, we need to plan, especially if there's two working parents, like, you know, you have to have daycare. So they, you can't just throw your hands up in the air and be like, sorry, you know, I'm not coming to pick up Skylar and Cody, which your dad never did ever. But because I have to plan for sitters, I have, you know, situations that I'm doing, but you were never stifled from seeing either parent ever. And we actually had a really decent situation because I basically only worked when you were in school during the school year. So it was easier for you to come and go. And we did live two streets away from each other. So you could ride your bike or, you know, your dad could walk over or whatever. It was more ebb and flow. But I think what you are really honing in on, and I could hear it in your voice, is the stress that is put on kids and all the responsibility that is put on a kid to adhere to this adult structure and make everything perfect so that the adults don't have to deal with each other or so that the adults adults aren't inconvenienced. So that's what I'm hearing in your voice is that sort of stress that's put on kids by way of their parents and the structure and the schedules and all this other crap. Yes, for sure. Of 
hey, I want to visit Sally that lives two houses down from my mom and I want to have a sleepover with her. But I'm at my dad's house who lives across town and seeing their struggle and seeing them go through that of, oh, I can't hang out with these friends. I can only hang out with these friends. Dad doesn't want to pass mom's house. Like for them, that was a huge, huge downfall on their behalf. And I could see how negatively it affected, even though they are young children, it affected their mental health. Yeah. I think that I don't, I don't think that we realize how much pressure we do put on our kids. You know, fortunately your dad and I have always, always, always spoken. There's never been any silence since the day we got divorced between the two of us. It's always just been open communication. However, a huge bone of contention that, you know, you've expressed to me was to never say the words, Hey, can you ask your dad? Because that is literally your Achilles tendon. Achilles tendon, plastic bag over your head, stab in the heart. I mean, name every physical trauma that can happen to you is when your mom would say, ask your dad, or your dad would say, ask your mom. Like I might as well literally put you six feet under. Yeah, I think a large moment for me of realizing how badly that affected me is the first and actually only time I've gotten a panic attack. I don't even know what I remember it was happening. I was in a sorority chapter meeting and I had my mom telling me, hey, ask your stepmom this. My stepmom telling me, hey, ask your mom this. It was so insignificant. I don't even remember what it was about. And I just started feeling this overwhelming pressure and like uncontrollable, like I couldn't control my emotions. I couldn't stop myself from crying. I couldn't stop myself from hyperventilating of just like, what is going on right now? Why, why is this going through me? Why is this happening? What are these emotions? And then I realized in that moment of y'all need to talk to each other because my communication can only go so far. My words can only be expressed so far between you two and y'all are friends. Right. Well, I remember what it was. I was actually asking to come over and have a glass of wine, but it was COVID. And so I didn't want to impose. And mm-hmm. so I said, hey, I'm going to be in Ohio when you talk to your dad or Allison, ask them because I don't want to impose and invite myself over. But at the same time, I, I knew I wouldn't want them to feel uncomfortable to tell me no if they really wanted to. So it was literally about coming over to hang out and drink a glass of wine. So it wasn't like, hey, pay for Skylar's college. It was something completely benign. But it brought that up out of you. And I thought you really communicated. I mean, clearly you had a, a freak out attack, which is fine, but you communicated it really well and set some really healthy, strong, clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I got the message. And I think that if you would have said that to me and your dad, I don't know, 10 years ago, not that you could have articulated it, but hey, let's articulate it to all the listeners right now that have kids that are doing the ask your dad, ask your mom, tell your mom, I need this, tell your dad, I need that to their kids. If you could sum it up in a few sentences, what kind of pressure does that put on a kid in the best of circumstances, which is your dad and Allison and mine, Jim's relationship. Like this is the best of the best of the best, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got the Bugatti of uh, parent relationships over here, but, and I don't want to even singular this to divorced parents, even Mm, married parents of, Hey, Mm -hmm. uh, can I go to my friend's house? I don't know. Go ask your mom. Why do I have to ask mom? But it literally puts this overwhelming pressure of, 
I asked you for a reason and I'm trying to express this to you for a reason. I came to you because this is who I felt comfortable with pressure of like, and even you being like, Hey, do you mind asking if I can go get a glass of wine or that type of thing? It just brought like an overwhelming pressure of why are they not communicating? What's going on in their lives? What's Mm. happening in their lives that they're not talking? Why is this being brought upon me? Why do they not feel comfortable talking to each other? What is happening? And getting more into the situation than necessarily of, hey, I just want a glass of wine and I don't want to make her feel uncomfortable talking. It's more so of fine lines, trying to read between the lines that maybe aren't there, but hey, I'm 22 years old and my parents aren't just asking each other. Right, right. Well, and what I'm seeing too is you were in a sorority situation. You were in college. I'm also seeing what, like, I love the word more than life itself, the bandwidth. You just didn't have any more bandwidth to handle my interpersonal relationship with me and anyone. Like, you're like, look, I have my own life. You, you deal with this shit. I'm not doing it. I, I, I have no more bandwidth for you today. I'm dealing with, you know, in a 16 hour sorority meeting. So I'm sure that That's was funny. a lot to do with it too. But whatever the case was, it was a very clean line that you had put down, which I really appreciated. And I wish I would have fully understood that probably sooner Because a lot of times it was just ease of communication, but it's not easy for the kids. So even if it's easy for me, even if it makes, oh, well, just here, hand this to your dad or tell your dad I'm going to be two hours late or tell, you know, whatever it was, you know, for all the listeners who are going through this, never, ever, ever say, tell your dad, ask your dad, tell your mom, ask your mom. Communicate through the kids in general at all. At all. At all. Text them. Send the message. Yeah. I don't care if they're literally right next to them. Hey, tell your dad, blah, 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 blah. Just text them. Yeah. And also it's hard because the the communication of, okay, my mom's telling me this. Now I'm going to tell Allison. Think about how many screw ups, screw ups, how, how the message can be seen different, how it can be seen upset from this behalf, but happy from this behalf. And I'm just not reading it because I'm not the person talking. Right. And I mean, I know too, so let's move from that. I know you have, I'm sure, plenty of friends with divorced parents. Mm -hmm. And many of them probably did not get to have the benefit of having every single one of their parents and grandparents and all their brothers and sisters at their high school graduation or their prom or their college graduation or all this other stuff. And I know that not every divorce can be pretty. And to be honest with you, your dad and I's divorce wasn't pretty. We made it pretty because we knew that it was important for you guys because I knew that I'd have to look at you right now. Like I literally remember you being like 10 years old, thinking to myself, one of these days she's going to be 22 and I'm going to have to look her in the eye and say, I did my best and I'd have to mean it. And Mm -hmm. she'd be able to judge whether or not that's a lie or not. Mm -hmm. And so- here we go. Did I do a good job? Did your dad and Allison and you can I mean, do you think with all things being equal? I mean, clearly, like I said, if we would have lived down the street, it would have been easier for you. Yeah, no, I think you guys did an excellent job of you invited my dad into the home in New Jersey. You had him come out to visit and watch my soccer, my dance recitals, all those type of things. And it wasn't weird. Everything was perfect in that sense, in the happiness sense. And not that you did this often. But and not that you 
I think ever did it more than once, to be honest with you. But I do want to make this clear because it is something that a lot of parents do is the talking poorly about the other parent. And I say this because I don't even know if this is a made up memory or what, but there's Mm. one instant in my entire life where you told me something about either you threw a blue dryer at my dad or something about throwing a blow dryer. And it was just, it was an act of anger that happened when you two got divorced. Uh And you probably told it to me when I was in third grade and think about how feeble-minded of a memory I had (laughs) in third grade. And to this day, I still remember the negativity I felt from that and the negativity that made me feel and the unhappiness that made me feel that my mom could have such an anger towards my dad of throwing a blow dryer at him and that she could not like him that much. And not that you ever, ever talked bad about my dad, but that one time, that one instant still stands out to me to this day. We might have to ask him about that because I don't remember throwing a blow dryer. It might have been him telling me then. One of the parents told me. That's interesting. Yes, 100% stands out. Remember. Crazy. Yes. But the the point of the story you're saying is, is one instant, there could have been 700 instances how much more traumatized you would have been. So this stuff really, 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 really matters. And how many times you probably spoke positively of my dad and none of those actually stick in my brain. But the one time that was negative, the one negative emotion I got from you two has stuck with me for a lifetime. And I will always remember that. So I I think think it is so so important to never speak poorly about the other parent, because for me, I love you two both. And no matter what the other one says about each other is going to make me feel any type of different. You are my parents. You are my blood. You've treated me well. And that is where my opinion comes from. My opinion does not come from your opinions on each other. And it never should. Yeah. Unless unless there is some type of deeper emotional abuse, physical abuse, right. and unsafeness. Right. Where there's a kid's unsafe. So let me ask you this. And I don't want to speak whether they're people that you nannied or friends of yours, because I don't want anyone to try to figure out who we're speaking of, but I'm sure, like I was saying, you have friends or people that you babysat or people that you just know in life who do have stories of, you know, the negative tumultuous relationship between their parents. And how do you see that, how it plays out in kids your age or younger? Cause I don't have that kind of connection with young people at this point, really that are divorced. How do you see that? So I think a big one of this would be the step parent and the, the original mother or father talking poorly of the step parent. And that's like me talking crap about Allison or your dad talking crap about Jim. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly. And that will off the jump, start a poor relationship with the child and step parent, because that parent is this as a child is the single most important opinion, period. And so when your mom says, hey, Allison's an awful person, not Mm -hmm. that you ever did, but example, Mm, right, example, that's going to go in my brain. That's going to be my opinion on her. And that is going to be where I see her. I do not get to form my own opinion. I maybe will start treating her poorly, talking to her poorly and not giving her the fair chance. And that's not let me ask you a question. I'm going to pause for a second. When. I want you to take yourself there for a minute. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I speak badly, if I were to have spoken badly about Allison, the other thing too, that I'm seeing 
as you're saying this is now you have to pick sides. Yes. Now you have to act. Now you have to, when you come back home, you have to tell me bad things about Allison. You have Mm -hmm. to show your loyalty to me because I Mm -hmm. have made it very clear that I don't like this new woman and to show loyalty to your mom. So now it's a very triangular relationship where you're picking sides, a lot of anxiety. What if you say, oh, I had a lot of fun with Allison. What's the ramification of having fun with someone that your mom hates? I'm sure you've seen this with your friends, et cetera. For sure. No, for sure. The crap talk that comes with it, the wanting to go home and have some kind of negative emotion so I can bond with my mother yeah. or so that they can bond with their mother. The, the mutual hate that's going to come out of that. Oh, I can be close to my mom because we're buddies and we both don't like the new misses. 100%. What, what good does that do for the child? 100%. What good does that put in the child's perspective of this person's going to be in your life no matter what, but now you just have a negative opinion on them. Do you think that they do that? Do you think that that is so that the new family has, you know, the the dad and the new mom has a difficult time? Do you think that it's insecurity on the mom's part? I mean, granted, every relationship is different, but it creates this really gossipy. We have to talk bad about people. We have to judge people. We have to align ourselves with one person. It, It really creates really bad patterns in that child's brain of, being mean is okay. My mom, my mom, what is it? Cosigns on being mean to people. My mom cosigns on ruining relationships and being disrespectful, which I don't think talking parents poorly of people. Talking poorly, yeah. Yeah. And I know behind backs. And I know it's not always easy because let's say your dad and I, let's say your dad didn't want to get a divorce hypothetically. And for him to watch me get remarried he's going to maybe have animosity about myself and my new husband, you know, like that can be really difficult to watch. But I think what we need to sit inside of is how is this affecting the children? No matter what you're going through, no matter if you have to go to see a therapist five days a week to get over your ex, you literally need to do everything in your power to not make your kid your, your emotions, feel your emotions, be your best friend, be your therapist. And that's one thing that I'm seeing all over TikTok is families and parents that are telling their kids way too much, way too young. They actually call it like emotional incest, where you're just oversharing with these young children and bringing them into these very adult emotional concepts and relationships. And I think this is an example of making your kid literally mental to make you feel better about your ex's new relationship. I agree. I exactly agree. And I think that if you need to, I would rather say almost, Hey, I I don't want to, I don't want to hear about the new wife. Mm -hmm. I think that would be more healthy than talking poorly of her. Hey, I'm going to take this step back. And I, I don't know if I can hear this which that might not be the best option. That might not be the most healthy thing, but it's better than the alternative of negative negativity of, Hey, just let's not go there. Let's not do this. Yeah. And I do, I do remember there was some times and it really wasn't like a negative thing. And I don't know if you remember it, but I would say, Hey, what happens at your dad? You know, that's what you guys do. Like you do you, And we Mm -hmm. do us and you don't need to take back to your dad what Jim and I are doing. And you don't need to tell us what your dad and Allison, that is your family unit over there. 
And it's really none of Gemini's business. You know, and I think <laughs> that was helpful too, because you didn't feel like you had to be loyal to me. Like, I don't even exactly. want you to be loyal to me. Like, I want nothing. You don't have to tell me anything. It's your business. It's your own personal life, unless you're in danger or whatever, which you, of course, weren't. But other than that, you don't have to tell me anything. You're allowed to have your own experience over there. But also being open and welcome to me, to listening to it, to, yeah. hey, mom, I went on this awesome vacation. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, because you guys did go, go on some cool vacations. And that, and to be honest with you, I remember biting my tongue a hundred thousand times. You know, you went to Disney World with your dad, you know, and that was big, you know, like I'm not a Disney World girl, sorry, listeners, but I remember fake being excited for you. I wasn't, I was kind of miffed, I, but I remember like, this is not about me. Mm-mm. This isn't about me. This is about, is Skylar going to have a nice time? How nice is this that her dad's taking her to do this, her, her and Cody to do this? What an amazing opportunity. I wish I could afford to do it. Shut your damn mouth, Meredith. Just shut mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. let these kids go have a nice time with their dad. But I do remember being jealous of that. But again, that's not your problem. That's sure. my problem because I'm the adult. And I'd like to also bring up the situation and kind of move past that of when I come to you with information, I think that sometimes you would share it with my dad if I was upset or if I was venting. And I think sometimes that hurt me of, I just told my mom this and she went and told them and I wasn't prepared for them to know these emotions yet. Mm -hmm. So I think that also in the sense of, okay, these two lives are separate. I think also you, you should definitely have communication with your child of, do you mind if I talk to your father about this? Yeah. That's a tough one though, because a lot of times as a child, although I'm, I don't know if the word is betraying or handling something, but like as a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old, if there's something that's big as a parent, sometimes you do have to get involved and you might be like, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell that I hate eating hamburgers at McDonald's. I prefer Burger King, whatever it is. I don't know what Mm -hmm. something, whatever. And I know as an adult, sometimes you do have to intervene and say something because otherwise it's just going to keep happening. And I know you personally, you'd rather just sweep it under the rug and be Mm -hmm. like, I'll handle it. I'll stuff it down. I'll deal with it. But sometimes parents do have to get involved. Like I know like my mom... (laughs) I would tell her something and she's like, well, when I told Aunt Peggy and I'd be like, wait, what? Why did you tell Aunt Peggy? Why would you tell Aunt Peggy? So that was for no reason, except for my mom wanted to work through something. If I went to your dad, it was because there was a family situation and he was still my family and you're my family. And so we were dealing with a family issue. I wasn't going to him ever as like gossiping about you or, mm-hmm. hey, this is no, what Skylar sure, said. Yeah. So or I maybe a warning of, hey, this is big. I'm going to talk to your father about this. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden it was, I just told my mom a secret and yeah. now my dad knows my secret. So maybe sit down with you. And father. And or- like all three of us and go, look, we're going to hammer this out together versus call him, then tell you I told him. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Like an, like an open communication more so rather than just, a, it almost felt behind the back. 
Yeah, I like that. Okay, so you you're, you're saying that if if at all possible, which in a lot of relationships it's not, if both parents, if there's a quote situation, if both parents can get together in a room or on or a phone. phone, you know, group conversation on speaker or whatever, then at least it feels like we're having a family discussion, if if at all possible. And I think a good example of this, and I think you mentioned it in previous podcasts, was. I was upset at you for something. Mm-hmm. Don't need to go into details, but I called my dad and was scream crying at him. Like mom's the worst human in the world. <laughs> I don't know what to do about this. And rather than him just calling you and being like, Hey, you need to handle this. You guys all got on a phone call with me and I felt supported because my dad was there. You felt supported because Jay will was there, Jim. And we all felt supported in our own sense. And we're able to actually talk. I think that was super helpful because Huge. I was able to talk about what I wanted. You were able to talk about what you wanted and it wasn't, Hey, Skylar said this and you need to handle it. Yeah. And we can thank Damon Phelan for that because he's the king of teaching me about triangular relationships and how, when you know, you don't want to just go, he said, she said, he said, she said, and then I'm talking to you and then you're texting your dad and it's turning into a complete disaster. We just squash it, squash it, squash it, squash it. Something comes up. Your dad would squash it. Something would come up. Jim would squash it. I would bring something up, you know, like whatever. It was all on the table. And I'm going to be real honest with you. Mm. I think that was a huge turning point, period. Because we sure. haven't had any kind of anything emotional, nothing since that day, which is kind of amazing. And we went through a graduation party, which could have been emotionally explosive or nerve wracking or whatever. But I think that was a really huge day. I wish we would have done it 10 years ago. I wish we would have done the open phone calls 10 years ago. For sure. I agree with that. And I think being prepared for that conversation, my dad being like, we're all going to talk about this, him being the one to come to me for it, because I wasn't okay with you in the moment. And I'd also like to make this very clear to listeners. This was less than a year ago. Oh, hundred percent. I think it was like last summer or maybe even it was COVID summer. Yeah, it was COVID. So well, like, this is still a technique we use to this day. Like I'm 22 years old. Yes. But at the same time, like I still go to my dad about issues about my mom and he's still there to talk me through it with you. Yeah. And I mean, what, what you know, like what, what Damon said to me is, hey, it, what you do is, hey, dad's being a jerk. Mom's being a jerk. We'll have you talk to her about that. Let's call her right now. Instead of just talking crap, with mm-hmm. me about your dad or talking crap with your dad about me and tr- creating a triangular relationship. If mm-hmm. you go to your dad about something about me or Allison or Jim, and they say, well, have you talked to your mom about this? Well, no. All right, let's get her on the phone and just knock it out, hammer it out instead of going behind yes. everyone's back and creating a loyalty and creating disten- dissension and all this other crap just really being more open and putting it to bed. Because Mm -hmm. I will tell you that has put a lot of emotions to bed for like a year. Yeah. Or, uh, Hey, I'll support you through this, but we're not going to talk poorly about your mom. Yeah. We're not playing this game. And it really, you know, cause that's the thing that's so crazy is we had never gotten on the phone. All of us like that before we've always talked, but not in that way. And Mm -hmm. it really kind of bonded us in a very unique way because your dad always, or, you know, 99% supports me and vice versa, but it was, it it changed the energy. It took the fire out of it for some reason. It took the, uh, the verses. Mm -hmm. It took the verses. Hey, you should talk to Skylar. She's, she's angry at you. 
Yeah. You should talk to her. It took the verses out of it and made it more like, uh uh-uh, we're not doing this. So I think that was huge. I almost would also, not that I don't love Jim, not that he's not my favorite parent human in the entire world. Right. But I almost would have had it be me, you, and my father. Hmm. Mm. No, I get that. Mm -hmm. I get that. I forget why Jim was there. I think it was because, first of all, he was home because it was COVID. Yeah. But I think there was a situation. But yeah, no, I totally agree. And I get that. Like you only don't... include the people that like, it doesn't need to be all five. No, include right. The people that it needs to be in between, because the more people, the more construed. Yeah. It, and you know what? I was just thinking of something else too, you know, cause we have many, many things going on to our future. You know, mm-hmm. there's going to be weddings and baby showers, hopefully, and all sorts of different bachelorettes. Like, like what I've said in the, in the past episodes in this, we married rich series is all of these little things that we're talking about, and you can attest to this or, or, or not, they all mattered. Yeah. All of it has mattered. All of it has been a building block of your mental health, our health as a family unit, our health as a family, as all 22 of us, you know, with your other family in Ohio and our family here. I really believe that a lot of your successes were were built on your childhood and your ability to work through things. And you've always been a leader in your sorority and your college and your high school. And, you know, all the things you're a leader now in your work, you're doing amazing. All this stuff has mattered. And if you're mm-hmm. out there and you're listening and you're like, but I hate my ex, I get you hate your ex. I get you hate your kids, par- you know, other parent. But I will tell you, and I have a 22-year-old beautiful daughter in front of me here that can attest what you say to them, the way that you handle yourself, the things that you say about their other parent, it means so much to them because they are 50% of their other parent. But I want to clarify, it means so much to them in their opinion on you. Yeah. On the parent talking poorly. because. Yeah. No word would change my love for my father. He is my father. He treats me with respect. But he could have but, ruined it, but nothing that I said could have ruined it. Exactly. He could have ruined, ruined our relationship. Right. I could have ruined our relationship, but my words are only going to make you think poorly of me. And my mom always said that. She goes, no matter what I say, it won't matter. When you become an adult, you'll understand and you'll learn who everyone is. But it's not my place to put that in your head because that's just going to make you hate me. And that was, you know, that was just so brilliant of her. Thank God that she gave me that advice, but huge. And also, I don't care if you know the dad's a liar. I don't care if you know the dad's a snake. I don't care if you know the dad's going to do A, B, C, and D, unless it is going to physically harm your child. You do not need to quote unquote, warn your kid of any personality traits that the other parent has. Let them figure it out for themselves because if you were married, they'd have to figure it out for themselves anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why I would ever want you to hate your dad. I don't, I don't, and they, people do it all the time. People do it all the time. And I don't understand why I would benefit at all from you hating anyone. It's almost like that. Like, oh, I'm not friends with her. You can't be friends with her either type of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, she might be a snake to me, but she's probably not a snake to you as well. Right. And the other thing that we talked about, I know you have to go because you have to go study for a test. No, you're, it's okay. 
I just want to ask you, because we've, we talked about it years ago, actually, with regard to my house, your dad worked a ton, still does. He's crazy working machine, but my house, our house that we lived in, me, you and Cody, and then me, you, Cody and Jim, that was home base. Even when mm-hmm. we did live two streets away from each other, you, mm-hmm. you were able to go to your dad's as much as you want. You had your, you still have your own bedroom at your dad's. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed no matter even if, he, and it probably will be that way until, until that house gets sold 300 years from now. So like, it was never about there not being space or it being, you know, a bachelor pad. It was ne- it was our family home that he stayed and lived in. I'm the one that actually moved out. But where I moved to was your home base. And then you would visit your dad. So all of your toys, all of your school, everything was home base at my house. And then you would, quote, visit your dad's house. And I like, yeah, I'm very, very happy you brought this up because this was also a huge that you've seen. Yeah. And you've seen it another way. I've all, yes, I've also seen this other very poor ways, but not that I didn't have clothes at my dad's, not that I didn't have toys. I had plenty of clothes. I had plenty of toys, but it wasn't, oh shoot. My favorite jeans are at my dad's house and I can't bring them to my mom's. Mm. It wasn't, oh shoot. My mom bought me my favorite toy. Dad, will you buy me another one? It Mm -hmm. was the free flowing of yes. My mom's house was home base. Yes, I am here most of the week. My things are mostly here, but I also have things at my father's house. I can bring things to my father's house. I can have whatever clothes I want at my father's house just because, yes, Allison might have bought me this cute T-shirt, but I can also bring it back. Yeah. I can also have it at home. How have you seen that play out in other people's lives, though, when they weren't when they had more of uh, yours, mine versus kind of family? How did you see it from your perspective? I mean, you obviously weren't those children, but you saw the fallout from it. Yeah. I mean, I think it brought a huge amount of anxiety to the kids of, I can't just ask for one bike for Christmas. I have to ask for two. I can't just have one pair of jeans. I have to have 10. Yeah. And I think that it brought an, a struggle of, oh my gosh, I have picture day Friday and I really want to wear this shirt, but I'm staying at my mom's house Friday. And also the, okay, yes, I did visit my dad's house on Wednesday nights, but I would go home to my mom's house first. And I'd be able to collect my things. I'd be able to get everything together to be able to then go to my dad's. It wasn't a, hey, you have to get on this bus and remember you're getting on this bus because it's the second Friday of the month and you're going to go visit your dad. Well, and the, the other thing too is the week on, and I know a lot of people have to plan it this way where you're like one week on at dad's, one week off at, you know, one week at mom's, one week at dad's, one week at mom's. And you've seen that that, can cause a lot of anxiety in kids. Cause it's not just anxiety, but anger. There's so much stress already on kids. And I know we forget that because they're kids, but it's getting worse to too. It, yeah. Adding to it and adding to figuring out of whose house you're going to be at, when you're going to be at it, not just having that constant schedule of, okay, Wednesdays. Okay. Every other weekend, it's like a changes up all the time. Like schedules are very important to kids and to be consistently changing a schedule or consistently not having that home base. The majority of the time spent somewhere is really detrimental to a child because they feel so up in the air and they feel so not grounded to themselves. They feel that they have no place to call them their own 
because they have too many places to call their own. And I'm sure, you know, this is the thing. People are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, hey, I have the week on, week off, week on, and that's working just fine for us. And it may very well be working just fine, but make sure and check in with your kids if you can. That's what like, I was say. You know, one thing, another thing my friend taught me too, is he used to talk to his kids. He's, he was divorced and has three daughters. And he would say, he would ask his kids all the time, how am I doing? How am I doing as a dad? And that's a really scary question. Like just even asking you, and I know you're, I know you could say probably even more than you already are right now, but I know you respect me and you respect our family and you're not going to want to just punch me in the face (laughs) publicly. But that's a scary question to ask your kid because you're opening yourself up to a lot of criticism and a lot of honesty that you might not want or be ready for. But I think that it's a really interesting and cool question to ask, like, how is this going for you? What can we do different? And I'll be honest, I didn't ask you that question because I probably didn't want to know because I probably don't know if I could have changed too much of than otherwise than what I was doing. But mm-hmm. now looking back there, you know, the, the, the big phone call would have been better, you know, never saying ask your dad if he can pick you up two hours early on Saturday or whatever and putting that pressure on you. I would have never done that had I known how bad that caused you anxiety. And I'm sure Cody, when he's on, if I ever get him recorded here, he will have his own opinions of what caused him stress and what he did and didn't like. But I just think that so many parents can't get out of their own way in these situations. They're hurt. They're sad. They're angry. They're frustrated. They're worried about their kids. They're worried about themselves. And I think that we all need to really put the sword down and decide that whatever we do here, we need to do it to get our kids healthfully to 18, healthfully to 22, whatever that looks like. And that's the goal. That's mm-hmm. the goal. As soon as you have a kid, that, that has to be the goal. It, it does. Mm-hmm. And it can, it can be through a divorce. It can be through remarriages. It can be through blended families. But- Everyone has to work together to get these kids healthy. And granted, I know that there's going to be 50% of the listeners are going to say, but, but my, my ex is a psycho. My ex doesn't listen to reason. And my ex is a narcissist. I know that that's why you probably got a divorce. But you know, if you can take even some of the things that Skylar is saying, and that we're talking about here, do it because you will be very happy with yourself when you have well-adjusted kids who, you know, are healthy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really sad that our family is an anomaly. I think it's sad that when I tell my friends, yeah, my parents go on date nights, all my siblings are friends, that they're shocked. I think that is so, so sad because for me, that made my childhood. And I didn't realize how special that was until I watched other situations. Yeah. And I just hope that, you know, even if this can give a sprinkle of help to even one person, that's why I'm on here. That's why I'm out of my comfort zone right now, because, you know, I've spoken out to kids. I've nannies, parents. I've spoken out to my friends, parents. I've said things I probably should not have said to people because that is how strongly I feel that your child needs to come first. And you may you you might have not made them on purpose, but they were here and they're here for a reason. And you need to put their emotions first because children's emotions are so fruitile. They're so uh, based off of their parents' emotions. They're so able to be changed that 
what you say, what you do, what you speak, how you interact matters way more than it does with other adults. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. Well, I really appreciate you taking your time today. I'm so excited for everyone to get to hear you talk and speak your truth and share your story. And, you know, maybe I'll get um, you and Cody on here at the same time. I'm sure you guys will have interesting back and forth on an airplane stories and all that good stuff. And you guys survived it. You guys did great. You know, you're such great kids and you're so welcoming to Jim and Allison. And we definitely led that charge. Your dad led that charge for Jim. And I led that charge for Allison because that's the way it has to be. Your dad had to lead that charge for your acceptance of Jim, to be honest with you. And I needed to lead that charge for your acceptance of Allison and let you know, hey, I want you to love her. I want Mm -hmm. her to love you. And your dad Mm -hmm. had to say, hey, Jim's a great guy. I want him to love you. You know, and and then it was like, oh, okay, I'm allowed to love this person. I'm Mm -hmm. allowed to be loved by this person. And that stamp of approval was there day one when they picked you up at our wedding and vice versa. I was just about to say that. Huge. I was just about to say that huge getting picked up from your wedding, huge them being at your wedding, huge it not being like, oh, dad and Allison can't come into the wedding. It was, they came in, they picked us up, hung out for a bit, but also let the adults have their fun time. Yeah. Super great. But But if anyone has any questions or anything, I'd be more than happy to answer them. You know, I love helping people through these situations. I'm sure my mom knows the same, but also child's perspective is a lot different than the parents. So yeah. And we can give your, in the show notes, your Instagram as Shagavac. So if someone wants to DM you or ask questions with regard, you know, we don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're a busy person, but just in case someone has a question about like when something really small or whatever, reach out to me and I'll get to Skylar. But thank you so much for being here. I'm sure I'll have you on other episodes of divorce and all that other kind of stuff and, or being a kid or You've done a lot in your very short life. So I appreciate you being here. So thanks so much, Skylar. I love you so much. Well, I love you more, Madre. Have a good night. Thank you. You too, my dear. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.